On today's show, we will be joined by Kyle Cushman. We'll discuss the two least prospects that will attend Team Canada's World Junior Selection Camp. We'll discuss some other least prospects that are turning heads this year in the system and also talk about the big club. How does Kyle like what's happening with the Toronto Maple Leafs? We'll chat about all that and more on today's edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leafs-centered podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morissuti. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. We got a, a busy, loaded show today. We are joined by Kyle Cushman, who's a Leafs analyst and prospect writer for The Score. Um... So why don't we get right into it, Dave? Let's let's bring him in. It's Kyle Cushman uh, joining us here on the Locked On Leafs podcast. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with my uh, co-host, Dave Morissuti. And just a reminder, we're a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. we got shows coming out each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, wherever you can find your podcasts, also up on YouTube. Uh, if you're new to the show and you've enjoyed the content so far, we ask that you would subscribe so that you can get that new uh, pod right to you right when it comes out. And if you're an everydayer, we appreciate you, as always. Uh, joining us now on the show is Kyle Cushman. He's a prospect analyst and uh, a hockey writer for The Score. And uh, it's a perfect time to have you on, Kyle, because some pretty big prospect news came out today. Yeah, World Junior Camps are finally out the United States yesterday as we're recording this. Canada today as we're recording this. Obviously, some of the international teams and stuff will trickle in over the next couple of weeks and lead up, obviously, into Boxing Day. But uh, the big two, especially for the Maple Leafs coming Yesterday and today, given all of the World Junior eligible players Canada or the, the Maple Leafs have in the system are all Canadian, which is something that we haven't really seen in the past handful of years. Recently, it's been guys like Topi Niemela and, and Roni Hervin and those kind of guys playing for Finland or Sweden, those kind of countries. But uh, a couple of guys looking to uh, to crack Canada's camp here. Yeah, so the, the two names that are uh, named to the preliminary camp roster, Easton Cowan, who was... At the time, a, a much maligned first-round pick from the Maple Leafs. People thought maybe it was a bit of a reach, and uh, people are kind of now changing their tune on that one. Uh, and then Fraser Minton, who had a cup of coffee with Toronto earlier this year, thought maybe he could have been a 19-year-old uh, you know, player who could maybe find his way into the NHL, but uh, ended up getting sent down, traded also, when he got sent down uh, to, to the Blades. So those are the two players that uh, will be at Team Canada's World Junior Camp roster. Let's start Let's start with Fraser Minted because, you know, he's a guy who at least mostly fans know who he is based on, you know, the terrific uh, training camp he had and parlayed it into, what did he get into, four games, three or four yeah, games? Yeah, four games, I think, league? yeah. Yeah, so, you know, how, how has he been since he's been sent back down and what odds do you give Fraser Minton to, to make this club and what kind of impact can he have if he does? Yeah, you kind of alluded to it where it's been a, a bit of a weird season so far for Minton where 
He played well in camp enough to crack the Maple Leafs roster, which was something that nobody really expected coming into camp. He got into four NHL games and then partially due to injuries and weird cap stuff, he had to get sent down maybe a little bit earlier than people were anticipating, but um, returned to Cam Loops, who over his entire tenure with that team had been one of the top teams in the WHL, had been uh, gearing up to hosting the Memorial Cup back in uh, uh, the earlier part of this season, graduated a bunch of those top players. And so when Minton returned to that team, a lot of a bare bone roster with a lot of young guys on that team, but not a lot of high end talent in a team that's going to be most likely in the draft lottery, not exactly the playoff picture for the WHL. So when Minton returned there, he was playing huge minutes. He was getting first line center, something that he hadn't really done to this point in his WHL career. He'd more been a second line center, third line center behind some of the, the top guys in Kamloops. So he was getting prime minutes, getting something like 25, 30 faceoffs a game, like insane numbers. Um, but in kind of returning to that team, being named captain as well, it was a bit of an understanding where eventually he was going to be traded. It was, it wasn't a when it, it wasn't if it was when he was going to be traded just because of where Kamloops was as a team. Minton only has this remaining year of junior eligibility. Then he'll be with the Marlies or with the Maple Leafs. So it didn't make sense for the Blazers to hold on to him. So he ends up getting shipped very early in the season, only playing six or seven games upon returning to Kamloops. Uh, to Saskatoon, who's a team that's right at the top of the WHL, looking to make a big push for a WHL championship and actually playing alongside another Maple Leafs prospect there in Brandon Lasowski. And so it's only been a handful of games there. He's been kind of mixing in in their top six in a couple of different ways, power play, stuff like that. But uh, upon returning to the WHL, he didn't score a point in his first game, but he had a multi-game point streak after that, which carried into uh, his debut with Saskatoon and is a player that even though it, it, he hasn't put up huge, huge numbers upon returning to the WHL, it's not something like Matt Savoy, who has returned from the NHL and put up over two points per game. That's not what Minton's done. That's also not really his game. So he was somebody that after going to summer meetings in, in the summer with Hockey Canada, we knew that he was somebody that if he wasn't on the NHL roster, was very likely to be named at least to this preliminary roster. And I would be very surprised if he doesn't end up making this team. He's somebody that fits a lot of what Hockey Canada likes in a bottom six player, especially at the World Juniors. He's very responsible defensively, can play the wing, can play center as well, can play power play, can play penalty kill. He can play in all those situations. And somebody that's projected to be a third or fourth liner for this team, that's very valuable. You can't necessarily be a one-dimensional player in a bottom six at an international tournament for Canada. You got to provide value in a, a few different ways. And that's what Minton does. So he's somebody that, uh, given he's been at a couple of summer meetings, he's now been invited to this team, had a cup of coffee in the, in the NHL, all of those things. Uh, I think he's somebody that's going to be an important depth piece for this team. I think he's going to be a primary penalty killer. Uh, and I think he's a very, very high likelihood to make this roster at a camp. And, and yeah, I mean, Fraserman has certainly uh, taken big steps in his development and like Easton Cowan, I I guess uh, you know I think he had another two points tonight last yeah. night uh, for the London Knights. Like he's now become a goal scoring machine since he was sent down. Like where do you, where do you see his chances with this team and uh, making the squad and what he's done so far this year? 
Yeah, so so you kind of t- talked about it a little bit off the top where a maligned first round pick, somebody that we didn't expect to be a first round pick, like uh, I, I think it was Sportsnet maybe that showed the the difference between Connor Bedard's walk to the stage and Easton Cowan's <laughs> walk to the stage in one of his long preseason walk. games. Yeah, a long walk for for Easton yeah. Cowan, and what he's done since then is remarkable. Like whether it's the rookie tournament or training camp or returning to London, like everywhere he's played since he was drafted, he's been unbelievably good. And in multiple areas, he's played all forward positions for London this year. He's played a little bit of left wing. He's played a little bit of center. Currently he's been playing right wing on their, on their second line uh, as they kind of split up some of their top dogs there in London. Um, he's played power play and been proficient there. He also leads the OHL in, in shorthanded goals and assists. He has something like six shorthanded points already through like 20, 21 games this season. It's, incredible the stuff that he's been doing this season and so um to make team canada's uh camp here despite being a first round pick and i know the expectation is oh first round pick you should be on the camp roster all that kind of stuff it isn't a shoe-in like it isn't like a foregone conclusion that a first round pick um as a 18 year old as well not a 19 year old uh makes these rosters and makes these camps we have to see if cowan will end up making the roster i think he has a very good chance to do so but you look back just last year Matt Savoy, top 10 pick, didn't make the Team Canada roster as an 18-year-old. Connor Geeky didn't make the roster as an 18-year-old. Denton Matejchuk didn't make the roster as an 18-year-old. Like, you can go down the list. A lot of those guys last year didn't make the roster as an 18-year-old. I think there's a little bit more room uh, to make the roster this year just based off of who was released and who wasn't. Um, but for a guy like Easton Cowan, like, you, you look at the draft and – uh, Tanner uh, Molendyke and everybody before him drafted that were released to this roster um, are on the camp roster. So that's 24th overall and up. But everybody passed that until basically the end of the second round. The only guys that made the this camp roster out of that group are Easton Cowan and Carson Rakoff, who has been incredible this year for Kitchener in the OHL. Guys like Callum Ritchie aren't on this team that were drafted ahead of Easton Cowan. Guys like Bradley Nadeau, who's tearing up the NCAA isn't on this roster. Nico Miadovic, who was the top pick of the second round, not on this roster. Like you can keep going Quentin down Musty that too. list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was, so, I remember he was a big guy. Everyone's like, Oh, gotta get Quentin musty. You gotta get Quentin musty. And then he yeah. was getting there and then he got scooped up like a pick or two before, I believe. And everyone was upset, but eh, maybe, maybe they got yeah, the, the musty. Musty's actually American, but he also didn't make the American roster either. Yeah. So a bit of a different situation there. He's been very good this year as well. Um, but a, a bit of a different player where Cowan, like you mentioned it, somebody that projects to be kind of that very versatile, um, effective third, fourth liner where Musty is kind of more of that top six or bust kind of guy. And when you look at what the Maple Leafs are looking for in prospects, they don't necessarily need as much of that high end talent. Obviously, when these guys crack the NHL, maybe the roster is in a bit of a different situation. But for the most part, the Leafs don't need these top six or bust guys. They need guys who can kind of play a bunch of different areas. And Easton Cowan fits that bill perfectly the way that he's played and developed to this point. So um, you you talk about his odds to make this roster back in June when he was drafted. I would have put it extremely low. Right now, I would say he's close to a lock to make this roster just based off of everything that he brings to the table. Like you look at the guys on this roster, he plays all four positions. So that's a benefit to him. Left wing, center, right wing, no matter where you need him to play, he can play. You need somebody to fill in a little bit on power play too. He can do that. You need somebody to be an anchor on the penalty kill. He can do that for you. Like just look at the shorthanded points that he's put up this year with Denver Barkey. I, I think 
looking at who's on this roster and kind of looking at a, maybe a bit of a lineup projection, I think a third or fourth line where you keep that Barky and Cowan duo together and, and have somebody like Owen Beck in the middle of them, that's a nightmare line for anybody to play against. That can be a shutdown line against any of the top lines in the tournament. It can be a menace for checking against any of the, the kind of top defense pairs as well, really wear you down on the four check. And they're all guys that can play big minutes on the penalty kill chip in uh, on the power play as well, and open up some of those more big minutes uh, at five on five and on the power play for some of the top guys on this team. So um, with how proficient Cowan's been this year, his style of play, everything like that, uh, hockey Canada will want a couple of guys that are return eligible on this roster as well, just to kind of get that experience and have, those guys able to return. Um, I, I think Cowan really takes a lot of the boxes of what Hockey Canada typically likes. Um, his performance this year and, and, and all of that, I think he's somebody that would be a great fit on this roster. Um, and, and I think he's somebody that, especially when he shows up in training camp, everything that we've seen from him so far this year, Maple Leafs training camp, he impressed. Rookie tournament, he impressed. Uh, returning to the London Knights, he's been one of their top players. I would say their top player, and one of the top players in the OHL as well. Um, I fully expect Easton Cowan to go to this Hockey Canada camp. And if he isn't kind of in line for a roster spot already, impress the staff enough to to go out and, and earn a roster spot. You look at the coaching staff as well. The head coach is the Sarnia Sting head coach, Alan Latang. He's somebody that has seen a lot of Easton Cowan this year, coaching against him, obviously, with Sarnia. Um, I, I think he's got a really, really good shot to make this team, which, again, you, you look back to June when he was drafted, don't think anybody thought that this would come no. this quickly for him. No, no. I mean, like, I, I'm not a prospect guy. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm reading everyone's rankings and I'm, you know, texting, you know, all of my <laughs> my, you know, buddies who who are prospect guys such as yourself. And I'm like, tell me about this kid. And it, it seemed like a lot of people didn't like it, 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 it. Everyone said kind of the same thing. They're like, there's tools there. It's a little early, but like. It, it could work out kind of was, was what a lot of people said about Easton Cowan. Um, and I'm curious if you were to rewrite a, you know, uh, a scattering report today for Cowan compared to, you know, when you wrote your final report for him, when you were doing your draft rankings back, you know, in, in last June or May or whenever you finalized them, like how different of a report would you be writing today than you did a few months back? Like how much has he progressed as a prospect since? I think it would be pretty significantly different. I, I think it's less about kind of the tools that have improved. I think it's more the confidence he's shown and kind of the the way that he's taken over as well. Like you look back to where he really kind of started to find his groove last year in the back half of the season with London and into the playoffs. You kind of look at that roster and like, yes, he's performing well. It's good for what he was doing. But I, I think um, you look at the season as a whole, Screams kind of second rounder. What really is his upside as kind of this energy guy, probably third line or something like that. Um, and, and on that nice roster where you have some older talent um, that is kind of leading the way in that regard, uh, it, it's something where he's not the driver on, on that top line. And yes, he was playing a big role on a team that went to the OHL finals and all that stuff. And that's why he ended up being a, a first rounder. That's why, uh, he was a riser come the end of the season. I still thought he was somebody that would go in the second round because he's not that big. He was more of a winger at the end of the year. And while he has a lot of intriguing tools, it was something that kind of projected more into a bottom six role. And what I've seen from him this year is where he's taken over and kind of been that 
key driver on a line. He's played with confidence, and it's something where he's shown that versatility to play center if you need him to, play left wing if you need him to, play right wing if you need him to, to be a, a very good power play guy if you need him to, but also kind of what he's shown shorthanded. He's played so well in all these positions. It's something where at the end of last season, it's like, okay, there's something here, but what is the upside of it? Uh, kind of projecting to that bottom six role based off of not the huge, not a huge guy, um, plays with pace, but does he have kind of the scoring upside to, to play higher in the lineup? And what we've seen from him this year is kind of taking that next step, playing with that confidence, driving lines, playing with pace, and, and being able to put the puck in the back of the net, both with um, some impressive skating and shiftiness and playmaking, but also showing off an impressive shot as well. So it's something where at the end of last season, um, I, I just looking back on it, it's probably something where people should have been higher on him just based off of what he did in the playoffs on a top team with London. And he maybe didn't get enough credit for how well he was playing on that yeah. team, playing in a big role for Dale Hunter and all that stuff. Um, but I think it's also something where you got to give credit to the player as well for putting in work over the summer and his development this year as well. He's an exceptionally hard worker and you can see that in both his game, but you also see it off the ice in the way that um, he, he kind of carries himself and trains and, and things like that. So um, for Easton Cowan, yeah, I think looking back, I think most people would agree, obviously, like he should have been a, a kind of consensus, more of a, a first round guy and maybe was being overlooked a little bit with some of his um, strengths and, and weaknesses and stuff like that. But um, I think at the same time, you have to give credit to what the player has done to this point to kind of prove the Maple Leaf staff as well in what they saw in the player, saw in the person as well, which I think is something that goes a little bit overlooked in the draft process as well, where sure you're drafting the talent and the player at 17, 18 years old, but you're also drafting the player and, and, and the person in terms of how you can see them developing, taking in that information, implementing that information into their game. And clearly so far over the past six, seven months, um, Easton Cowan somebody that has shown to be a sponge in terms of taking in that development, working on his game and excelling with some of the new information that he's gotten. So um, yeah, you, you talk about that that difference in scouting reports since June, and it certainly changed in that regard. And I'd say that the key points is just the confidence that he's playing with and, and the ability to drive a line, which I don't think people necessarily saw back in June. I think they saw him more as kind of a complimentary piece and somebody that ultimately projected as a third, fourth liner. And clearly the way that he's, that he's playing right now, it's easy to see him playing higher up in a lineup come his professional days. We'll get back to our chat with Kyle in just a moment, but first I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and it is Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about when you're buying tickets to the next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from receipt, and their best price guarantee, Game Time will take the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind when you make your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy it so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Game Time has deals on tickets right up until the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, hockey, basketball, baseball, whatever event you are trying to go to. And a Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork 
out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Could be a good gift idea for the holidays coming up. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you're a Bills fan, you bet for them to win on the money line this weekend. Bam, $150 for that money line victory the app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over unders and more if you've been thinking about joining fanduel there's no better time to get in on the action so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the nfl season right fanduel the official partner of the locked on sports network Kyle Cushman, prospect analyst and hockey writer from The Score, joining us here on the Locked On Leafs podcast. Um, So those are the top two prospects that the Maple Leafs have. I don't believe there's anyone else who's expected to be on any of these other rosters. You can fill me in. That's correct. Yeah, so all of the – it's kind of funny where I I mentioned a little bit earlier where for a few years there, it was like the Leafs had nobody eligible for Canada and a bunch of guys eligible for either the States or European countries. It's flipped over the past couple of years where everybody eligible in the Leaf system for the World Juniors, all of them are Canadian, actually. So there's nobody even eligible to play for the States or Sweden or Finland or anything like that. Everybody uh, under 20 in the Maple Leaf system is Canadian, which is a bit of a change over recent years. Well, I'm curious. So there's one prospect, though, who will not be there for obvious reasons. But I keep hearing the name like Nikita Gribyonkin. Like if Russia were to mm. have sent a team, which they're not, they're banned for however long they are for. Um, is he a player that you think would probably be at this tournament? And, you know, what have you made of his development over the last year and a half? Yeah, so Nikita Grubyankin was actually drafted as an overager, so he would have been eligible to play last year's. Road uh, Juniors, he's year. too old to play it this year. So uh, despite being drafted two drafts ago now, he's actually a year older than the cycle so would be too old to play this year would have been a key player on russia last year and yeah he's somebody that kind of exploded last year where was drafted as an overager um out of the russian junior league which is a league where there's a lot of variants you can put up a lot of points in that league and not be very good even in the khl let alone the nhl but what gerbyonkin's done is kind of found a niche for himself last season getting a loan to a bit of a worse khl team Uh, and putting up some points in the top six on that team uh, and actually won KHL Rookie of the Year last year. And so he's kind of taken that momentum, has returned back to his parent club, Madelard Magnitogorsk, who is one of the top teams in the KHL. And it's been a bit of an up-and-down season for him. He's played a little bit in the bottom six. He's also played a few games on the top line and stuff like that. And so um, overall, I'd say it's been a good season for Gribbjankin, kind of building on what he showed last year. I think the, the big part for him was kind of solidifying his spot in the lineup on a top team in the KHL. He's done that for sure. He's played basically every single game all season long. Um, He's a fixture in their lineup now, and he's put up a handful of points. He's not uh, a power play one guy or anything like that on that team, but um, he's a winger who has a good frame. He's listed at 6'1 or 6'2". He's a little bit lanky, um, so he's not one of these like super small, skilled Russian guys that um, everyone maligns that the Maple Leafs take. He's got some size to him. He can add a bit more to his frame and kind of change up his skating stance a little bit to 
kind of take contact and, and pressure a little bit more. But he's somebody that um, is a really, really solid playmaker, especially pulling pucks along the boards and kind of feeding uh, slot chances and kind of working around the net. Um, he's somebody that, yeah, is kind of slowly finding his game. He was somebody that last year was actually mentioned by Kyle Dubas as one of those guys in the Maple Leafs mix that they're keeping an eye on as some of their top prospects. And um, he's not somebody that is quite on the Maple Leafs radar yet to kind of jump over and make the NHL right away. But I think in a couple of years time, he's somebody that's going to gain more and more traction as he continues in the KHL, eventually comes to the AHL. Um, and he's somebody that has a lot of intriguing tools as kind of a, a shifty offensive winger who um, has some size to him at six foot two and uh, does a lot of good work along the boards and, and digging pucks out and stuff like that. So he's definitely a player um, that I've grown a lot on over the past couple of years and somebody that I that I quite like in the system. He's easily inside my top 10 for Maple Leafs prospects. Yeah, maybe a nice little diamond in the rough, perhaps. Go yeah, ahead. I think that's a great way to put it. When you talk about a mid-round pick and an overage player draft. They, they need that. They, they don't have many of those exactly. mid-rounders yeah. who flourish, so. Exactly that. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, th those kind of diamond in the rough guys where um, you look and he's kind of drafted out of a weird spot, mid rounds, kind of a flyer. And uh, he's definitely popped in in a quick way. And if you were to redraft that that draft, you would go quite a bit higher than the fifth round or wherever he was actually taken. Now, when you look at the least prospect system as a general, like it doesn't get the highest rating. Obviously they haven't mm -hmm. had a lot of high picks. They haven't had a lot of picks in general, the last few years. But when you're looking at this teams where, where this team is right now and having to make moves to help the main club right now, and you know, sometimes you don't have the picks. So prospects have to be included. Who do you think is a prospect that teams are going to, when they're looking at the leaf system, this is a guy that those teams are going to target. So obvi obviously the guys that, they're going to try to target out the top guys, the, the Mintons, the Cowans. Those guys are going to be off the table. Like, I, I would be shocked if there's any move that the Leafs would make that would include those couple of guys. Um, just because we don't really see teams need to give up those kind of premier prospects in their systems in any of the trades that we've seen over the past couple of years. Like, the, the big one that you think back to is a Timo Meyer type trade, and they gave up Shakir Makamadoulin, who's a good defense prospect he put up some impressive numbers in the khl came over mid first round or stuff like that he also wasn't the devil's top prospect at the time of the trade you look at alexander holtz being kind of the marquee guy and stuff like that so in in certain kind of trades you could see those guys names coming up um but i i can't see either of them being moved um it, they're, they're probably in kind of that robertson nice tier over the past couple of years where they're kind of the the non-starters on the prospect side and will kind of look to some other guys. So the guys in the prospect system that I look at, um, the, the two that kind of jump out to me immediately are Nick Abrazizi and Alex Steves, where they're two guys that are knocking on the door of the NHL. So if they're, if you're making a trade with a team like Calgary at the deadline or something like that, they're two guys that even though they're playing in the HL for the Maple Leafs right now, could probably step into an NHL lineup and play some kind of role. What that kind of differs depending on the player. Nick Abrazizi is, a lot more of a kind of typical smaller um, offensive winger um, who's a fantastic playmaker, actually played quite a bit with Matt Coronado in college. So that could be a guy that you maybe look to in a Calgary trade. He hasn't had uh, maybe quite the start to the season that he was hoping for in terms of the points, but he's still uh, been really solid in terms of creating chances and things like that with the Marley. So um, might not have kind of the, the premier trade value that you would hope for, um, but he's a player that I think teams might like, depending on 
what their situation is. Alex Steves is a guy that is a little bit younger than Nick Abrazizi, actually, just uh, kind of an awkward one where Abrazizi was drafted as a double overager. Steves is an undrafted guy, um, but kind of similar in their development curve where um, Alex Steves has been exceptional this year with the Marlies, has uh, had a double-digit game point streak, um, has kind of taken his game to the next level in terms of driving play, um, zone entries, controlling the puck through the neutral zone, and kind of converting that into points as well. I just kind of look at him as a guy that probably tops out as like a good fourth liner, maybe chips in on your third line, plays a little bit on the penalty kill, won't play really on your power play. And that has value to an extent for the Maple Leafs, but also when you look at his AHL numbers, might be somebody that fits more in a trade as well. So those are two guys on kind of the the verge of the NHL that would make sense as maybe a trade chip uh, in, in a deal where um, somebody on the verge of the NHL, you can get them in the NHL upon a trade and something that kind of fits both getting a roster player and also a young player um, for, for a receiving team in, in kind of a deadline deal. You kind of look elsewhere than that, and there aren't too, too many options when you look um, kind of at the system right now just because of the lack of picks that they've had. There, there, there aren't a lot of guys that are kind of in that B tier that the Maple Leafs have um, that are kind of in that second tier and kind of easily identified it as trade chips. You kind of look at Abrazizi and Steves as those kind of guys, but on defense, somebody like a Topi Niemela, I would be very surprised if they move him just because of the lack of defense prospects that they have. Could somebody like a Miko Kokinen move after an impressive training camp, but kind of a, a still a middling season with the Marlies? That's an option, but I'm not really sure how much value he would have around the league. And so kind of look to the unsigned guys and it's a lot of the same. So um, there's not too many guys in that second tier that I really see. I, I think if the Leafs are making a trade, it would probably be one of Abrazizi or Steve's as kind of that prospect slash roster, young roster player. Um, and then maybe, you, though. you know, like, I, I don't know if that gets the Leafs what they're looking for. Like, no, I, no, no, no. I, I mean, what I was about to say there is that I think it's more based around draft picks. Um, yeah. I, I don't think the Leafs really have that um, kind of the Which depth of the prospect they don't have a lot of, but they have enough in the higher tier that they could get kind of the, the Chris Tanev type or, or one of those kind of guys. So, um, yeah, you, you look at the system and like, especially if like you're you're not moving Cowan, you're not moving Minton, you're probably not moving Niemela. Like it, there's not a lot in the system where you kind of rule out some of those top guys that you want to keep because they're going to impact your roster in a year, maybe two. Um, there's not a lot of those kind of second tier guys, unless there's a team that particularly likes what Miko Kokinen brings, unless there's a team that particularly likes the offensive upside of William Villeneuve, unless there's a team that particularly likes what Nick Moldenhauer is and what maybe see him developing into a better player than what he's kind of shown this year at Michigan. So it, it's not like there's kind of that clear cut second tier guy. Like I, I think back to uh, the Jake Mazen trade, like there's not clearly a Carl Grunstrom or a Sean Dursey in the system where they're clearly B tier prospects that are also in excess of what the Maple Leafs have. And you feel good about moving them in addition to a pick or something like that. I think these right. trades are going to be similar to what we saw last year. What if they do make them slash when they make them, where it's going to be built more around the, the draft pick capital rather than the prospect capital. Uh, one other prospect that 
I think it has impressed me so far, at least with the numbers. So maybe mm. someone who has laid eyes on him personally can probably tell me a little bit more about uh, the season he's having and if it's for real or not. But uh, the 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 whole six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds of Dennis Hildeby is putting up some rock star numbers right now in the American League. Um, a one sixty three goals against a nine thirty five save percentage. Coming into uh, today, I'm, I'm not sure if he started the game that they had just played uh, tonight or not, but uh, that was the number going into today, at least. Is is this for real? Is Dennis Hill to be a, a legitimately, like, maybe NHL caliber goalie prospect that the Leafs have here? I think so. I, I think what he's shown to this point in his uh, kind of brief tenure with the Maple Leafs, um, he's not NHL ready yet by any means, but no. he's on that trajectory where... Um, played last year more of a role in, in Sweden and put up very solid numbers. Was one of the best kind of U21, U22 goalies in the league. Played a, a legit back and forth 1A, 1B role actually with Matt Tompkins who got some starts this year uh, with the Lightning um, and put up good numbers there. Has come over to the AHL and has put, good, put up good numbers here. He had um, hip surgery a couple years ago before kind of his breakout season when the Maple Leafs drafted him. Um, and since then, all he's done is stop pucks. Like you can look at his numbers over the past couple of seasons. And it's really, really impressive what he's done at kind of the Swedish U20 level, the SHL, and now the AHL. He did start today's game. He's down to a 925 save percentage, oh, as bomb. terrible what as that bomb. is. Um, but no, like everything, everything you look about at this guy, like screams NHL goaltender, where you look at the size, six foot seven, 220, 230 pounds. Like he's got legit size to stop pucks. He's athletic, can make some quick movements in the net, um, can also play a, a kind of a quieter, um, calm game. And I think that's more of what the style that will bring him success just because of his size. Um, and, and since he's come into the Maple Leafs organization, like I mentioned, all he's done is put up rock star numbers. And obviously the, the kind of the smaller sample size of nine games and, and what he's done, that'll come back down a little bit to earth. But um, he's also a little bit older than you would expect for being a 2022 draft pick. Like he's already 22 years old. Like he's on kind of this accelerated timeline just based off of how old he was when he was drafted. And it doesn't take a, a mathematician to look at his save percentage versus Martin Jones and Keith Petrozelli's. Martin Jones, obviously a longtime NHL goaltender and Keith Petrozelli, somebody that was the Marley starter last year for the most part and see the difference in those numbers and see that there's something here in kill to be. So um, I'm not sure quite when the NHL trajectory will be for him. I think I need to see a little bit more of whether he can play kind of that starters role this season in the AHL, build on that, kind of see what he can do on on kind of the whole this year in the AHL. Um, but yeah, he's somebody that has quickly rocketed up um, kind of in, in the prospect sphere where he was undrafted for three years and then all of a sudden became a fourth round pick by the Maple Leafs after an impressive small sample season in the U20 league over there in Sweden. And after a great season in the SHL last year, a great start to this season has quickly become one of kind of the rising goaltending prospects in all of the NHL. Today's episode is also brought to you by Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. Hate waiting. Indeed US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job description the moment 
they sponsor job. Candidates you, infl- you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it on search, according to US Indeed data. Indeed does the hard work for you. Sponsor job and boom, Instant Match shows your candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately after your after you post. With Instant Match, you can start hiring fast. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You're listening to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're chatting with Kyle Cushman, a prospect analyst and hockey writer at The Score. Let's transition a little bit into uh, into the big club, the parent club, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's been an interesting season, to say the <laughs> least, for Toronto. Like, where would you assess where the Leafs are at so far at this point in the year? Yeah, it, the, the Maple Leafs at this point of the year uh, are a team that have done enough to be in a solid position in the standings, but I think have given a lot left to be desired in terms of how they've gotten there, whether it be kind of the lack of regulation wins and kind of playing teams close and needing to go to overtime or shootout to kind of pull out those extra points, um, whether it be some of the underlying numbers or some of the the kind of chemistry that has and then hasn't been this season, like, the Leafs are in a solid position in the standings. Like you look at points percentage, they're still well in a playoff spot, like all that stuff. Like, yes, there's some teams coming up in the Atlantic. There's also some teams falling off in the Atlantic and the Leafs are kind of where they always have been this time of year in, in the Keefe era. Um, but it's kind of the concern over how it's gotten to this point. Like, yeah, Nylander has been great, but Matthews and Marner have been kind of off and on this season. You look at the bottom six and, Ryan Reeves has been Ryan Reeves and what is the fourth line actually going to do? And then the third line when it scores has been fun, but when it doesn't score has no kind of purpose as well. And then on defense, it's been just an absolute tire fire of injuries and John Klingberg being a disaster of an experiment and like all this stuff. And it's like, sure, they're in a good spot in the standings, but does anyone feel like amazing about this team right now? Like I, I would be surprised if you find anyone that's like, Oh yeah, the Leafs are, in a fantastic spot right now. And, and that's just reality of the way that they've played kind of the, the lack of um, kind of dominant wins that they've had just with the lack of regulation wins and, and kind of what has been largely an experimental season where you've seen a lot of mixing and matching and not really a lot of uh, set lines or set pairs. Like we've kind of had it over the last little bit. It's obviously changed with Mitch Marner and William Nylander kind of swapping for a game or two there, but um this last little stretch has kind of gotten a little bit more of that uh, lineup same night in night out, but it hasn't been something where it's like, yep, this is going to be kind of line one, line two, line three come playoff time. Like there's a lot of mixing and matching, figuring out where to make additions, where you're good enough in the system to kind of leave it as is um, come playoff time. Like can Max Domi be a a center for you on your third line driving kind of offense in your bottom six come playoff time? He did it last year to an extent with Dallas, but has it worked well enough this year with the Leafs? I'm not convinced yet. Like, is Matt and I somebody 
that can play on your top line come playoff time and, and be kind of somebody that works with with Matthews and Marner. It worked for a game or two at the start there. It hasn't necessarily worked as much the last few games. So there's a lot still to be kind of desired in this Maple Leafs lineup. I think there's been some bright spots like Noah greger has been great on, on the fourth line when he's kind of had some guys to work with. He's shown that speed. It's been a difference maker. That's something that can pot you an extra goal in the playoffs that can make a difference. He's been a good penalty killer as well. Um, you got to figure out what you're going to do on the fourth line when it comes to Ryan Reeves, whether you need to make an addition there, whether you need to give somebody like a Bobby McMahon more of a chance. Like I mentioned, Alex Steves, when he comes back, he's currently out with an injury. When he comes back, is that somebody that gets a shot in the fourth line? So there's still a lot of questions to be answered. And I think at this point of the season, I think a lot of people were hoping that some of those questions would be answered come this time. Like, I think the only thing that we've really seen so far is that Bertuzzi can work in the top six after kind of a bit of a lackluster start in the top line. He's worked pretty well with Tavares and Nylander, especially those couple of Sweden games where that line was absolutely clicking. So um, other than that, like Max Domi's still a bit of a question mark, Matt Nyes, Nick Robertson. We don't really know where they're going to slot in on defense. Everything's basically a question mark because of the injuries and the lack of uh, consistency in the lineup and guys like William Legison playing top four minutes. Sometimes guys like Tarner Timmons having to play top four minutes. Sometimes like, there's a, there's a lot still to be answered for this team. So as it stands right now, um, sure, they're in a good enough spot in the standings and there's no alarms or panic button being hit, um, but there's still a lot to kind of figure out with this team over these next couple of months. And the trade deadline comes up on you quick as well, especially once the holiday season wraps up. So I, I want to know, because I've been asked this a few times, so I figure I want to get, get the chance to ask someone <laughs> this. If you were the Leafs, do you go for a top three spot in the Atlantic, or would you prefer to go in as a wild card team? Because right now, that's where they find themselves. Wild card is scary, just because like th that's that's playing with fire a little bit, especially yeah. with how close it is, and especially if you kind of match up against like a, a Rangers team or or a Boston team at kind of the top of those divisions. So I think the goal always has to be to um, kind of solidify as best of a position as you can get, try and get that home ice advantage, whether it be second in there. Obviously, it feels, which is crazy to say already, that first in the division is kind of out of reach, which was a goal coming into the season, but Boston hasn't lost a step, which is insane to say, given they lost their two top centers to retirement over the summer, and they still find a way. Um, but yeah, the, for, for the Maple Leafs, I, I think you got to still gun for that number two in the division if you can't get number one, just because of what home ice gives you um, avoiding kind of the, the uncertainty of that wild card position affords you. And ultimately being second in the division means that they're playing better hockey going into the playoffs as well. So um, you, you can kind of nitpick over what matchups are best for the Maple Leafs and stuff like that. They've also blown it in the past against teams against the Habs and also played well against other teams that you wouldn't maybe expect as well. So um, honestly, given how things I have mean, gone in the past, I've given up on trying to be the matchmaker for the Maple Leafs come yeah. playoffs and stuff i think it's just about playing your best hockey worrying less about the potential matchup of being second third fourth into the division crossover wild card that kind of stuff just focusing on yourself and being the best team you can come playoff time 
Yeah, I don't think it really matters. Like, I, I mean, you look at them, and there was the "We want Florida" chance last year, and <laughs> look how that turned out. So it's not like exactly you want to right. Be here like, there you go. Say, oh, we we want the Rangers. We want the crossover. Like, well, the Rangers are a pretty darn good team too. So I don't yeah, want to play I'm, Igor Shosturkin ever in a playoff series. No, no, thank no you. you really don't. So I'm I'm with you, man. I I think that you absolutely strike. I don't think first place is out of out of the reach, by the way, like I'm nine points up, but they got two games in hand. Yeah. Say they win those couple of games all of a sudden. Okay. There's five points. And I believe there's still a game or two between them and, and Boston to try and close it to a little bit. And you got to think that they're going to hit a skid at some point, the Bruins. And like you said, <laughs> you think, are, right? You would <laughs> like, think you had a mini skid. They did lose three straight there where they gave up like five goals in each game. Oh man, I don't know if you saw the McAvoy quotes after that, but he was acting like it was some six game losing streak. And he was like, I forgot how to lose. I was like, this is the most insufferable team of all time. I know like, oh. it was, uh, it's, it's, it's insane. They've gone on to win three straight since then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because of course streak. they did. Because yes, because they're, they're Boston. But I mean, like you said, Toronto, they're not at their best right now, mm -hmm. but they're still, like playing at a, a you know in a playoff right what are they a 600 win percentage team right now 636 win percentage yeah. or points percentage and they're maybe what 75 percent to what they should be what they could be that's the exciting I mean, part right like they I, haven't played up to their potential there's been a lot of question marks in the lineup and they're still well, in that i mean position. you look at how this team is built right like they, so they're a 636 win percentage the way that they've played and this team is built was star power for Matthews, Marner, you know, Tavares and Willie all going and playing, you know, at an elite level. Well, you've gotten good play out of Willie. You've gotten good play out of Tavares, but those other two, like th they're going to wake up at some point. And when that happens, the Leafs are going to go on a run and they're going to put up some points. And I think that's when you can really say, okay, this team should be able to to get back within the driver's seat in this Atlantic division. And I don't think it's done yet. I think there's the Leafs have much better hockey to come in the future. Yeah. And if they can parlay that into kind of a, a dog fight for first in the division come the end of the season, like I think playing for that meaningful title of finally winning at an Atlantic division crown, like that'll put you in a good spot going to the playoffs as well. Um, if you can go out and either get that crown or just, having those meaningful games at the end of the regular season where so often it's been meaningless regular season games for the final two months of the season for the Maple Leafs over the past couple of years, playing those meaningful games for um, meaningful points in the standings. Um, I, I think that would be a real boost as well. So yeah, like you mentioned, like Matthews and Marner, like they've been good to an extent, but they haven't been dominant yet. No, not, like they, they're and putting when up points. they point, find that. They're putting up points. But they have not played their best, which again, a glass half full. They haven't tilted the ice like the way that they can. No, absolutely not. And I think they'll get back to playing together, and they'll get back to playing the way that they they know how to. I think we've seen Marner over the last week or so start to finally get back to his game. You know, there was there was the fishbowl game where it was like, <laughs> okay, that's the Marner that we we know yeah. is an all pro level. Matthews coming off this game against Boston, he finally got back in uh, onto the score sheet with a couple of goals. So I'm curious now going forward, like was this week maybe the turning point for the Leafs, you know, where now going forward up until Christmas, they can rattle off some wins here and really try and, and get creep closer and closer to Boston. Again, they've got a couple of games in hand where they can try and pick up some points here as well. 
Yeah, and like it, I think the best way to look at it is like you saw the happy feet from Marner during the shootout attempt. Yeah, that's the Marner that we want to see. Yeah, night in night out. That's when he's playing at his best. When he's playing with confidence. When he's yes. shifty like that. Like that's the Mitch Marner that is the eleven million dollar player. Yeah, so, and, and when and we Matthews, see more of that, even yeah. Matthews. Like you look at the way, even on that on that <laughs> game winning goal, the way that he was able to kind of weave in and out of traffic, making getting himself open and in a position to shoot the puck. Uh, like that's what you need to see. Where when his feet aren't moving and he's kind of stagnant, you know he's easy to defend. But when he's moving around the ice and he's finding those soft pockets, that's when Matthews is is at oh, his yeah. best with that one timer. So you know I think it's starting to come around. It's starting to come around. Definitely some uh, some good stuff um hopefully hopefully that's the case at least <laughs> i mean they could go out and have stinkers because i feel like i've said it a couple of times this year it's like oh marner back-to-back four-point games is he back and then he followed up with like six <laughs> or seven meh games but hopefully this uh truly is the the turnaround that the leafs need i know shanahan said the last five to ten games have been playing a little bit better hopefully they can get healthy after christmas defensively maybe they make a trade to bring in and help that blue line looks like joe wall is starting to kind of turn things around um or stabilize the net i guess is a better way to to put it um so i, I things things are definitely looking up i think for the maple leafs kyle Really appreciate taking the time to uh, to join us. It was uh, it was a fun chat, and I know we'll we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always a, a fun time when World Junior Camps come out, and uh, means exciting times ahead. Of course, with the hockey calendar getting closer and closer to playoff time, World uh, World Junior talk, of course, on Boxing Day, trade deadline stuff, all heating up. It's always a, a fun time when it clicks over to December. We get a little bit of that World Junior talk. Let's uh, let our listeners know where they can find your work. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle underscore Cush, C-U-S-H there. Um, and all my writing essentially is on uh, the score. So going to have a lot of stuff coming up in advance of the World Juniors. Going to have a lot of great content there. Some Maple Leaf stuff involved in there as well. Um, leading up until, of course, the big day on Boxing Day when the tournament gets underway. A little bit of a different tournament this year. We've been so used to it during the, the Canada time zones and getting those night games. It's going to be some of those morning, mid-afternoon games with it back yeah. over in Sweden. So. Um, a bit more of that kind of classic European uh, world junior vibe to it. And it's going to be a fun tournament as well with hopefully a couple of Maple Leafs prospects on the roster for Canada as well, which is something that we haven't had in a handful of years as well. When we've had Maple Leafs prospects to follow for the world juniors, it's typically been some of the more European teams over the past couple of years. So that's going to be exciting there. And so, yeah, you're going to find all of that coverage over on the score. So make sure to, to download that and, Follow along in the, in the NHL feed and the follow along with Team Canada and whatever other countries you want to follow with for the World Juniors there as well. And I also want to give a quick shout out to the, the PWHL as well, which is rapidly coming away, uh, coming up, I should say. Uh, scrimmages and stuff happening right now in Utica during the preseason. Been getting out to a few of the PWHL Toronto practices the last couple of weeks. Nice. Uh, very, very exciting time there with some of the top women's players finally having this kind of marquee league to play in with a lot of momentum behind it that gets underway at the start of January and very excited to be covering that team this year a little bit for the score and also kind of personally as well, which you can find those updates on uh, Twitter as well at Kyle underscore. Awesome. Well, we'll have to get you on too. Uh, definitely probably yeah, right after sure. new year, we'll do some, some more prospect talks, see how you felt of the world <laughs> juniors and right after new year's, I guess PWHL will be, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll literally new year's start, day, so. Toronto, uh, yeah. New York, getting it started Madame. at the old, uh, Maple Leaf gardens. Yeah. Madame yeah. athletic center. It's going to be a fun one. 
Yeah, definitely will. Uh, appreciate it, Kyle. And uh, that'll do it for us here on the podcast today. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on X at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morris Sudi. And once again, follow Kyle at Kyle underscore Kush, uh, if you enjoyed the content today, we ask that you do leave a like on this video. Uh, leave a comment down below if you're here on YouTube as well. That'd be greatly appreciated. We'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. Leafs in action, taking on the Ottawa Senators. We'll preview that one for you guys tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.